Unlocking the Cage is recorded live on Twitch Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific at Manager's Comedy. Tune in to chat and share your opinions and help us unlock the cage. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Whether he's removing his face or on a criminal plane or a historical chase, we love Nicholas Cage. Star of screen and stage, gonna watch him all day while he's a screaming with rage, cause we're unlocking the cage. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Unlocking the Cage. We've had some fun uh, chaos getting ready for this. I just I formatted my, my hard drive, <laughs> and uh, I had forgotten that I had not set any of this up again. So the last 20 minutes, I've been making this work, and it's kind and of working. Three minutes to showtime, I attempted to plug my headphones into the hard reset button on my desktop. So just reset my computer for she no reason. She attempted to plug a USB into a circular No, no, button. no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a regular headphone jack. Oh. And it's oh. a tiny little, it's a tiny little reset button you're supposed to hit with like a pen. So it's oh. the perfect size. Oh, never mind. Okay. No, that's bad. All right. I see. That's terrible. <laughs> anyway, we're here today with another episode of Unlocking the Cage. We've had a few weeks off. We're rusty, but we're having fun. Um, this is our podcast where we watch and rank every single one of Nicolas Cage's 100 plus movies. Um, we usually record live on Twitch Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, but we've got a big announcement, guys. You ready for it? Yep. We are switching to audio only. So this is our last streaming show. Rachel's backstage. They're mm-hmm. going, Oh, oh. <laughs> so our, our Rachel is our last guest for the streaming. So what we'll be doing is we'll be releasing episodes on podcast format every Tuesday, just as we've been doing it. And by every Tuesday, I probably mean more like every other Tuesday. You know, it'll be a lot easier for us to record episodes. And I think we'll probably retool some of the things so they're not so visual. I don't know. We'll have we'll to do something about the cage gauge so it's not as visual. I mean, that is, you know, yeah, we'll see what we can do. We'll figure it out. So get look at our faces and drink them in, guys, because... This is this is the last your last chance to say goodbye to these. (laughs) So if you're if you're listening to this later and you want to listen to old (laughs) episodes, no nips on Twitch, no nips on Twitch. Uh, Old episodes can be found at YouTube.com slash managers comedy. I think I have already said this, but I'm Meg. My co-host here is Chris. And uh, we are not doing this alone. We have a very special guest today, comedian and writer and executive producer of 2MB Studios, another Twitch channel, Rachel Jane Andelman. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hi. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am uh, very uh, excited to be here. And um, yeah, I didn't know I was your last visual guest. I feel like I should have done something with my hair. Um, (laughs) I apologize. But you're naked, so it's okay. I'm not not naked. I'm wearing a dress that has no sleeves. um, And I made that clear to Chris at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I think I was in the bathroom for that. Uh. Thank you for clearing that up for everybody involved people and were soon, gonna wonder we had to say something <laughs> and soon soon we'll just have to we can say these things and no one will be able to call us on it because they won't no be one, able to see us no fact checking can be done um, you'll, be to, you'll be able to do the show nude uh going forward uh absolutely. as far as your listeners understand it nudity to be i think people could tell the difference though I think the, the trained ear can tell the difference between someone who's talking while they're naked and someone who's got clothes on. There's you know, a certain un... What's it called? Un- Uncertainty? Uninhibition. Or, oh, okay. I was going to say nervousness, more just like like the you know the, the feeling of covering yourself up vocally. <laughs> it's different for every person. <laughs> it depends on your relationship with your body, yeah. for sure. I, I sound uh, much angrier when I'm naked. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, all right, Rachel. So tell us a little bit about um, your history with Nick Cage movies. Is this like a common movie theme for you? Is this just like something you did because we asked you to? Or like, what what what's your history here? Yeah, um, I feel like um, I'm neither a Nick Cage lover nor a Nick Cage hater. Um, I will see him when he's in movies I happen to be interested in seeing, uh, but I do not tend to seek out Nick Cage movies. Uh, for example, um, I saw Color Out of Space, um, but that was cause, more because I uh, I like horror movies and I like... Um, uh, it, it seemed to have like a fun like sci-fi horror vibe that uh, felt very interesting to me, and he happens to be uh, the main character, but uh, could have been a, could have been a different guy. Uh, I wasn't necessarily <laughs> going like, oh yes, finally a Nick Cage movie I can see uh, <laughs> in on the big screen. Um, so uh, yeah, I've seen um, some Nick Cage movies. I've seen Raising Arizona. Um, I've seen this one, um, Colorado Space. I can't really remember the other ones I've seen, uh, but he seems. Uh, I'm I'm aware of his like. Um, I'm aware of him. I'm aware of his his uh, je ne sais quoi, his uh, cageosity. He's very he's very angry. Oh, I've, le- I've seen Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, he's very angry. He's very crazy, but he's like very uh, chaotic. He's like a chaotic, uh, evil evil chaotic most of the time. I think, and like occasionally the other ones. I, it's interesting you say chaotic evil because I think one of the things that we've noticed is that he very rarely plays a villain. So. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it does have kind of an evil acting vibe, but like uh, he, I think there's like only one or two examples I can think of where he is actually an evil character, which is interesting. Might be something think, he asks for. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's like this, uh, and we can talk about it more when we get into the film. But like when I was watching this film, I'm like, I think I think we're supposed to be rooting for Nick Cage in this film for He's sure. Like, um, not a, a good guy in any sort of like reasonable metric. So I'm like, um, yeah, I guess there's a difference between like a good guy versus just like the main character uh, versus like the villain. Because I'm totally. like, the main character, but he's not a good guy. <laughs> he's a, he does, I, I was, yeah, you're right. An anti hero thing is pretty common for sure. But like, he's clearly not the villain of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's clearly like the hero of this movie, but clearly a bad guy. Um, but so were there any t- heroes in this film? Like, was it, I thought the morality at the end of the film was nothing you do matters <laughs> and the world just sucks. I thought that's what they were trying to say with this movie, because at the end of the movie, you have, you have the, the, the female, uh, you know, lead kind of say not to jump too far ahead, but kind of say like, <laughs> things are going to really change in this town. You can see. And then they just zoom over to a guy encased in concrete. <laughs> A lady encased in concrete. Oh, a lady. That way. was a lady encased in concrete. Oh, okay. Um, as I, I realized recently, because we see, and again, just jumping to the end of the movie here, we see her ring, um, sort of through the, um, what's it called, through the concrete, and it's clear that her body is inside. I believe it was the redhead who had the red ring on is what we see at the end. Um, All right, let's back it up a little bit because I want to talk to Rachel about sort of why you picked this movie. And I know that this was not your original movie that you picked, which was Color Out of Space. Mm -hmm. And we got too scared to watch it. So we told you to pick another one. Was it scary? Was it really scary? Um, Color Out of Space? Yeah. Um, It's spooky. Uh, There are, I would say there are two or three sequences that are genuinely um, creepy and off-putting. There aren't 
but are fewer than I would say like jump scares. Um, and I would say that there's no like, if you've seen Hereditary, you know, they're like the last 10 minutes, you're kind of like crying. And- Too scared. <laughs> you haven't seen that one either. No. Um, I would say that uh, there's stuff that's creepy, uh, but I would say there's nothing that's like horrifying, if that makes sense, if there's a difference. Sure. It's not, I, I, for some reason, I thought it was a lot of like gross body horror type stuff, but maybe I'm misinformed about that. Well, there is a sequence where uh, the mother becomes like bodily attached to her child um, and they're sort of fusing uh, throughout the rest of the film, um, which is not, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't recommend that happening to anybody. Uh, I wouldn't recommend you go through that. But as a, as a sequence in the film, it's sort of like you, you're not really spending a lot of time looking at it. And it's kind of almost like um, that's happening while other things are happening, if that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> sure. Geez. It's just in the background. It's just in the background for most of it. Um, so <laughs> while it's spooky and it's icky, I would say it's not scary the way certain other sh- movies I've seen are scary it seems like you have a pretty high tolerance for scary though based on yeah i would say maybe that's true (laughs) (laughs) and more power to you (laughs) for sure i mean honestly like we put off watching mandy for longer than we should have because we were chris was worried it was going to be too disturbing and and it really wasn't it was so awesome uh it's just yeah so i guess maybe we should learn that lesson with color out of space and I don't know. That's, that's it. We'll get there eventually, but we'll, we'll get there. Eventually. So, all right. So, Rachel, so we, we told you to pick a different one. And so tell me about why you picked Snake Eyes. Um, I think I picked Snake Eyes because it seemed, um, of the ones that were left on the list, it seemed one that I would be interested in because um, I like 90s movies. I like, like the colors of 90s movies. I like um, 90s movies are like nostalgic without feeling ancient also, I was under the impression that this movie would be about a down-on-his-luck gambler who witnesses a murder, uh, which is, like, not quite the actual plot, but that was what my brain had convinced me was the plot, uh, which, again, I love le- leaving Las Vegas. I think um, a lot of great films take place in... Um, I may have thought this movie took place in Las Vegas also. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is another classic Las Vegas movie. This is not a Las Vegas movie, but I may have been under uh, that impression. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's like something about slot machines and like Vegas and like the 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 cheap amorality that I think often lends itself to like fun cinema. Uh, and so all that stuff was interesting to me going into it. And so just to clarify, you had not seen it before. I had never seen it before. Okay, cool. And I, so Chris, you and I both have seen it before, right? But for you, it was similar to me, which is that I saw it like probably close to when it came out, right? I actually didn't remember this movie very well, except for I did remember the turn that Gary Sinise was a bad guy, I think. But I was confusing this movie with another film about a sniper in Las Vegas. Am I crazy? Do you guys remember a movie called Snake Eyes that had a sniper... And uh, you know what? And J-Lo was in it. Nah. What? I don't even know what movie I thought this was, but it wasn't what I thought it was. But I did like it. I'm looking at J-Lo's uh, filmography. On, on the note you're saying about like you thought it was Vegas, there's that song at the end where they're like talking about Sin City. I think they, they thought it was Vegas, too. And they, <laughs> they wrote that I will song. say that that ending song is one of the oh worst my God. I've ever heard. I'm like, how did this get into a film by a major studio. It's like, it's 
it's just totally a so this is a meredith brooks song just like a cool like folky meredith brooks song that just is the total wrong vibe for this movie which is like a suspenseful uh, high energy thriller kind of thing i would say that the problem with the song is not even that it is um you know uh counterbalancing uh the energy of the film i just think it's a bad song it sounds like a song like you know how um uh that comedian demi would like create like fake hip-hop songs to end movies with he's like oh i just heard uh you know (laughs) the new um the new rap song at the end of six pounds or whatever uh the one where uh will smith gives away his organs and then he like writes like a summary rap song it felt like a it felt like a parody rap a parody song where someone like very um, uh, inartfully summarizes a film that you've just seen, but as a folk song. Like the rap Absolutely. at the end of Adam's Family, the, the ninja rap from Ninja Turtles, Wild Wild West from Wild Wild West, except they did it with a folksy version for the end of this film. Did you guys already say Men in Black? That's obviously Men in the Black. End. I think the funniest line in the song is, a drowning man does not die quietly. And that's the chorus. That's the chorus of the fucking song. (laughs) She just like, like just grabbed sound bites from the movie and like from the, you know, and then threw them into a song. Like they don't even like go together like lyrically as like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Meredith Brooks. <laughs> Apologies. You probably, you know, she probably was like, got a lot of money for this and was just like, I'm doing the best I can, guys. <laughs> um, all right. So we, yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I remember this movie pretty clearly, although I did not remember Gary Sinise was the villain. That was the one thing I was surprised by. I was like, how did I forget this? Um, but I remember the opening, like, one shot i remember the shot over the hotel rooms i remember the giant ball and i remember thinking like this is a fun action movie so i was i was actually really looking forward to this episode because i knew it was a enjoyable movie to watch um so uh let me let me uh quickly actually you know what let's just go right into it guys because i'm worried we're going to talk about some of this stuff and i'll spoil it um Mm -hmm. so one of the things that is funny timing wise for this is as you guys know there is a 2020 move 20 hold on 2021 that's the year we're in movie called snake eyes that has just been released Mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with this movie um so I thought it would be fun to do a little trivia game to see some uh, facts about both of those movies and see which which goes with which. So Rachel, we're going to put you to work here. Trivia. See how much you know about Snake Eyes, a G.I. Joe story versus Snake Eyes, a Nicolas Cage story. Oh boy. So uh, let's, uh, we'll just, uh, can you do full screen for that, Chris? I'll do a little full screen action. This is Snake Eyes starring Harry Golding, who uh, I, I think is great. Okay, yeah, that works, sure. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next slide, Chris. Let's take it away. We'll give Rachel our first uh, trivia question. Now, let me just tell you, the answer can be both. Great. It can be. All right. <laughs> so our first trivia question is, which movie has a scene that takes place in a massive downpour? So I'm going to say, I don't know anything about G.I. Joe, except that they're toys. Um <laughs> Inherent Henry Golding, isn't it? Um, I'm going to say both of them. All right. What do we got, Chris? What do we got, Chris? We can't hear you, Chris. It's both. It's both. You can't see behind us because I am messing with the the stuff right now. All right. So obviously the seat, the opening, the whole fucking movie of Snake Eyes 1998 takes place during a massive downpour. Um, but from careful watching of the trailer of 2021 Snake Eyes, at one point they fight 
in a brainstorm. I've never, I have not seen this movie. All I have is the trailer. And <laughs> so it's both. So we got that one right. All right. What's next? Uh, all right. So this is a, you tell me, Rachel, which of these facts belongs to which movie? So uh, one of them was written by the same person who wrote Pooh's Heffalump movie. And the other person was, the other movie was written by the same person who wrote 2017's The Mummy. So not the original Mummy, 2017's The Mummy. The one with Tom Cruise. The right. one with Tom Cruise. The, the beginning of um, the cherished uh, dark uh, was it was it the, the dark mystery universe? What is it called? The dark. The, it's supposed to be a franchise. The MGM <laughs> monsters. They were gonna make them have their own modern. Yeah. And they made one movie, and then they're like, "We're out. This is too hard." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say, and I'm very very prepared to be wrong, that the mummy. Uh, don't move. Don't move our faces over the question. I. <laughs> do not know the answers. Um, the mummy guy was the snake eyes, uh, our snake eyes guy, and the poos guy was the toy uh, snake eyes guy. And let's see, Chris. She's right. Uh, the writer of 1998 Snake Eyes wrote 2017 The Mummy, and the writer of 2021 Snake Eyes wrote Pooh's Heffalump movie. Because toy, toys and um, and Winnie the Pooh are like the same thing. So that totally makes sense. I think. Yeah. I think. All right. Next question is: uh, One of the parts in this movie was written for Will Smith, but he didn't end up taking it. Cool. So I don't think that there is a part in. Nick Cage Snake Eyes that would be for Will Smith unless it was like the boxer but that part was so small that I don't think that they would have offered it to Will Smith especially I, in 1998 especially in 1998 or uh, 1999 whatever this movie came out so I'm going to say that Will Smith was supposed to be in the, the toy G.I. Joe Snake Eyes survey Next says slide, please. Oh, oh oh wow so uh, the answer is actually 1998 Steak Eyes. The Gary Sinise part was originally supposed to be Will Smith. Which is weird because he never plays bad guys. That's true. Also, another another person who rarely plays the bad guy. But yeah, he uh, he ended up doing Enemy of the State, which was, I guess, a little similar in vibe instead. So he was like, I can only take one. So this could have been a Nick Cage, Will Smith movie, which to my knowledge has never happened. <laughs> I mean, that, that would, I would have watched the show that... <laughs> I mean, I, I would have watched that movie if it was reversed. I feel like it'd be more believable. If Nick Cage was the Gary Sinise character? Yeah. I don't know why, but like, like, eh. Will Smith does tend to play like more flamboyant characters. Yeah, so I would see it like reversed. Like less of a, less of a buttoned up military guy. And, and then that turn at the end where Gary Sinise goes crazy. It's like, you know, people drowning don't die silently. I could see Nick Cage really selling that a lot better than Gary Sinise did. But mm. I don't know. Anyway, let's take it to the next question. This movie has exactly one use of the word fuck. Um, I'm going to say it's the toy movie. The toy movie? The toy movie. Okay. Ready? Let's see. Yep. It's both. I am. Uh, uh, from the IMDb trivia page, there's only one word in the film, only one F word in the film, and Nicolas Cage says it for um, 1998 Snake Eyes. And then this I was a little unclear about, but based on the parental guide for Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, it said one use of the sexual expletive in a non-sexual context, which I assume to me. So you don't think it would be, it's like, uh, you're, you're boobing crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're titty nuts get the ass out of here 
I'm Bazanga's tired of this situation with the toys. <laughs> what the climax are you doing to me? All right. Let's let's take it to the next one. Uh, okay. The you're gonna have to move us down, Chris. We can see uh, the lead of this movie traveled to Borneo, where he slept in the jungle and slaughtered a wild boar. I'm gonna say both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say both. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. Survey says. Uh, it was actually 2021. I don't know why I'm having so 2021 Snake Eyes. Uh, and this is uh, Henry Golding did actually a Discovery Channel TV show about going to Borneo to explore sort of the his ethnic origins in I think a tribe based out of there and um, did a lot of stuff like got a hand on tattoo and um, you know found himself. I'm glad he found himself. Um, he did survive Borneo. He certainly did. But it does feel like something Nick Cage would have done. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> Probably I has. Still kind of, I still kind of feel like he did it. Just like not well documented. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like we kind of stole this from Rachel because I think it might just be both, but we just don't know. That's yeah. true. Especially with the movie Pig that just came out. Wild yes. Boar, Pig. Yep. Who knows what preppy Although did. that's about that's that's I feel like the plot of this movie, which we have not yet seen, is about not killing a boar, not killing a pig. Like I think the pig is supposed to stay alive. Well, I guess we'll find out when we watch it. All right. All right. Next one. One of the main actors is known for his fighting skills. I feel like this is vague enough that if it's not both, um, I don't know. If, I'm going to say both again. Okay. It's both. <laughs> Wait, I got to scroll us down. This picture is great. Is that uh, the guy from Frequency? Yeah, uh, the guy in, in the middle. Wait, you mean Dennis Quaid? Yeah, is that Dennis Quaid in the middle? It kind of looks like him, huh? Yeah, maybe it's like a super young Dennis Quaid. Uh, so this the picture on the left is um. Oh man, I should have written these names. In the picture uh, on the left, that old smarmy man is like, I've had sex with both these men. Like that's the look on his face. He's winking. Like he's, he's basically like, winking. He's like, you know what I'm doing. So the the guy on the left, on the very far left, is Stan Shaw, who plays the boxer in 1998 State Guys, and so his he is a former jujitsu instructor. Um, he has a lot of black belts and uh, is also just the guy you hire to play a boxer in a movie. So he's he's been in a bunch of movies as like boxers and MMA fighter type things. Um, and for Snake Eyes 2021, uh, there's, I imagine, a lot of people who are very well known for martial arts. But in particular, there's this guy, Iko Uwais, who is a uh, master of Silat, which is a Indonesian traditional martial art and uh, is uh, known for that. He's like a, a, you know, Indonesian action star. So it's both. All, All right. <laughs> Next up. The this movie was originally supposed to end Oops. with a massive tidal wave, but it was cut from the movie. I'm gonna say Nick Cage Snake Eyes. All right. Survey says you're right. Snake Eyes. So uh, you can see in one of the scenes near the end, there's a news truck that gets taken out by a tidal wave. Apparently, this was that that's like the only thing remaining of a massive CGI sequence that they put together of the entire pier getting taken out by a tidal wave. And I guess they decided it wasn't good. Um, So these are some still shots from the CGI that they had put together before it got cut from the movie. So man, it must have been pretty bad to, to cut a whole sequence. Yeah. That doesn't look like CGI. That looks like a model, right? I don't know. This bottom it, right one for sure. They had a combination of the two is my understanding. Oh, okay. 
Uh, next question. Uh, this movie features a woman wearing a red wig. Oh, come on. I'm going to go with both. Okay. It's a trick question. Um, so uh, in 2021 Snake Eyes, we have Samara Weaving as a fake redhead and in the trailer you can see it's pretty a pretty bad red wig and then obviously there's a woman with red hair in 1998 snake eyes but she is a natural i mean she's not a natural redhead but she is a known redhead so there's a million pictures of her with red hair so i'm just gonna assume that was her actual hair so wait are you saying no one was wearing a wig no a red wig oh a red wig yeah also it's possible it's possible to have red hair and also wear a red wig it's very true but i would say there's enough pictures of her with long red hair from that time that it's not a given so this could really i'm gonna call bullshit on you because you are famous for always talking about julianne moore and the fact that she just even though she has red hair she wears a red wig over it all the time (laughs) that's true I don't know. I mean, I think we'd have to do a little zoom enhance, but to me, it looked like her real hair. It looked like her dyed real hair. But that shit, her hair was so curly. Okay, fine, fine. We don't know. There's no way to know. Rachel got this question right. Well, let's... You know what, oh, that's you know what? It. Uh, Meg, I, Meg it's, it seems like you made this quiz, and I think you should respect <laughs> that. Um, Who, me? No, I found this. Someone else already had this idea. <laughs> it was such a popular idea. There's a sporacle about it. There's like tons of sporacles. Just go on sporacle. It's like pages and pages of snake eyes versus snake eyes. Uh, so I'm guessing, I, I'm guessing I'm not getting my diploma on time uh, based on that performance. I think you did pretty good. I think you got it. Um, you got it. A good a good amount of those yeah you yeah. win snake eyes you got snake, snake eyes, eyes. <laughs> a copy of the dvd of snake eyes which Perfect. one you're the expert you tell us <laughs> i don't have i don't have dvd players so they're of equal utility to me oh uh, well if you need vhs we can give you that too anyway moving on <laughs> moving on all right guys so we we've uh we've done our little trivia um let's let's talk about this movie so just general thoughts anyone do we um, like it do we dislike it yeah i thought it was like a fun zippy little caper uh <laughs> <laughs> of no um particular great achievement um <laughs> I would say that I would be very interested in like the four hour cut because it seems like watching it, my impression was that there is a four hour or more cut out there of it because there's like certain um, sequences or shots that I'm like, this would get really interesting if it were about twice as long. Um, I'm pretty sure someone told Brian DeMama he had to cut a bunch of stuff from it uh, to keep up the pace of the movie. Uh, so I would love to see the the Brian DePalma cut of this movie, uh, but I don't know if that exists. I think that uh, like the most impressive stuff for me was the long shots in that one shot where they did the overhead of the hotel rooms I thought was pretty cool. There's a lot of like cool mm-hmm. shots. I'm not like a, like a, an expert or anything in cinematography or anything like that, but there was a lot of like really cool. They try to do something at least with those, you know? It was very yeah. showy. Very showy. Um, long shots, I have, um, I was thinking about the long shots. I think the long shots are, the, the long shots and the POV shots, I think are the most interesting parts of the film. Um, and we are, we can probably discuss them more right now or uh, yeah, go for it. Oh, let's just get into it. I mean, the first, the movie is, starts off with the long shot, so that's certainly a good Like a 20 start. minute long shot, like a single yeah. shot, right? Uh, yeah, uh, as far as I could tell, it was an uninterrupted shot. And I don't know if that was um, like a true shot or if it was a stitched together. Um, 
I hate to tell you guys, but it has got some hidden edits. There's a YouTube video out there, by the way, that uh, goes through and points out all the hidden edits. If you're curious, but the, um, but there's I, 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 did, I did not look up any information about the movie because yes, I because told, I told you not to. Yes, I think. <laughs> thank, and thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, obviously, uh, a stitched together long shot is not necessarily particularly um, uh, overwhelmingly um, impressive. You know, it's a kind of thing you can find in a spice girls music video uh <laughs> well I, I will say at least so there is a 12 minute sequence that was all done in one take within the 20 minutes so that's still impressive yeah, yeah. um it's funny because i feel like long shots to me um uh, are very case-by-case basis about whether i enjoy them and whether i feel that they are doing a good job um uh, people who know me know that one of my least favorite films um, that I've ever seen in the theater is 1917, uh, which I fucking hate, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is like a one-shot film. Like, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, about, like, two people from the trenches um, during the First World War. They have to, like, they have to go behind enemy lines and deliver some message, and it's all in one take, and it's uh, just, like, aggressively video gamey, and, and, and it feels like it's, it's uh, not treating the it, it just makes world war one feel like a like an escort mission in a video game and it just like removes all of the sense of like gravitas um of that milieu uh so uh that's 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 an example of of a long shot that i fucking hate because it's a movie i fucking hate um there's there's also very good one shots um um of, i i wish i'd seen the entire movie enter the void uh but i've seen like the first half of it uh, I think Enter uh, Enter the Void is very beautiful. If you haven't seen it, it's like I think it's mostly one shot. Uh, the conceit is that the guy dies, um, and and the, the camera is like his spirit, uh, kind of roaming around, and it's really cool and it's beautiful. Um, there's also a famous one shot, a long shot uh, from the movie um, Children of Men. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Are. You're like that's a good one. Um, and 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 I think that whether a long shot feels successful or not has to do with um, whether it's taking advantage of uh, what uh, a long shot offers the audience. Uh, for me, long shots are really interesting um, when they create tension because uh, they're, they'll be they'll be full of moments where a traditionally edited film will cut away from it. Um, and a long shot just stays there. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Nothing's happening. And then it feels full of tension because you're like, wait, you're, it's, it fills you with anticipation. You're like, nothing's yes. happening. What's going on? And, and you feel like you're living in it more. Um, and I feel like, um, I don't know if the, the, the long shot at the top of this film feels particularly um, exciting or successful because um, there's so much shit going on. And um, when somebody dies, you're just like, oh, okay, I guess this is a murder film. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because it's the very top of the film, I feel like there's almost no expectations for what's going to happen. So there's like no period where um, I'm like, you're like, okay, I think something bad is going to happen, but you're like, I don't really care about these people yet. Uh, like the long shot, uh, I'm sorry, I'm babbling, but the long shot in Children of Men is so good because you think, Julianne Moore is going to be in the fucking movie, right? Uh, right. She, she's going to be in the whole movie, and then she fucking dies uh, in that long shot, and that's shocking. It was shocking, her death. And in this movie, you don't really know anybody. The only thing that would have maybe been, like, really cool is if this, like, Nick Cage had died, because he's the one that you've been following. <laughs> like, if they'd done, um, you know, a psycho shot where, like, you think Nick Cage is going to be the main character, but then he, like, fucking dies. Like, that would have been amazing. 
uh, but it's just like some some random politician. You're like, okay, I guess this is this movie is about his murder. Uh, but for me, like, there wasn't that sense of like exciting tension where you're like, what's gonna happen next? Like, wh- like I'm scared. Like, because because I just like I'm just like these are douchebags. You like meet some more douchebags. Some more douchebags happen, and then somebody dies. And so for me, yep. I'm like, as a long shot, and I'm like, and eh, whatever, B minus. Uh, let's get into the movie. I, I, sorry. I was just saying, one thing I did find interesting about it though, was that you sort of, it it kind of drifts and focuses on different people. And when you're watching it, like, and maybe it's just because I'd seen the movie already. I'm like, oh, we're focusing on the guy with the phone. This is probably important. And like, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm trying to solve a mystery without knowing what the mystery is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I did find that part interesting because it's, it, but it felt very like a stage play to me, like su- super like a stage play, just the way people are walking out. I thought it was a very good technical achievement to do all the extras during those long shots too, not just like, you know, they had to remember their lines and do all the acting and what like 11 minutes, but like all the extras had to be on point and, you know, they're walking through this whole freaking stadium full of people. That was pretty cool. I, I like as a technical achievement, I don't really know what it did for the movie. It was just kind of like, you know, hey, also did anyone like, was anyone really shocked by the fact that he ended up being a police officer at the top of the movie? Like he's kind like, of. he's like, seemed like he was like a Vegas, like degenerate gambler, as as Rachel said, you know, like you think he's like a down in his luck gambler, but then he turns out to be a cop. Uh, I just like thought that was weird. Same world as bad lieutenant Porter call New Orleans, where he plays a bad cop. Could be, no? could yeah. be. The extension. I think, I, I think I had that feeling like, oh, I guess he's a cop. But it was more like, oh, I guess he's a cop rather than, oh, my God, I can't believe he's a cop. Uh, just again, because it's all it felt all like in the first 10 minutes, you're like, I have no expectations, you know, like, show me show me how your world works film. Uh, and so it, because it happened during that period of of establishing the expectations, there's no time to be surprised because you're like, whatever you tell me, I guess I believe it. You know, um, I'm here. I'm here for you. film. <laughs> Yeah. So he's a cop and he they long shot him into the into the stadium. You see a bunch see of shit characters. The the Secretary of Defense gets assassinated by a guy inside of a sign. <laughs> then he gets shot by Gary Sinise. And uh then then uh you know, Nick Cage kinda comes in and he's like, Listen, brother, this is how it went down. We're gonna plant the gun. I, I, like, yeah, I like, I like that line. It's like, I don't, I'm not some newbie cop who needs you to plant a gun and a body for me. I don't know. Kind of saves him from himself going to getting uh, court-martialed. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to get the plot in here. Oh well, yeah. I mean, the plot. I feel like the plot doesn't really matter too much yeah. in this one. But yeah, that's about it. Um, but I uh, there's yeah there's a few things that I wanted to to like big themes. Oh so yeah, so we talked about the long shot. We didn't really talk about the point of view shots of which there are three, right? We have a Gary Sinise point of view, we have a Nick Cage point of view, and we have a, a Tyler, the Lincoln Tyler, the boxer point of view. Would you say you're looking through um, their eyes, their snake eyes? Snake eyes, yes. Well, I think there's um, there's the, the boxer, uh, the Sinise view, uh, the girl view. Uh, oh, there's a girl view? I forgot I about the girl view. Okay. <laughs> Is that when Carla Gugino doesn't have her glasses and she's, it's all fuzzy. And she also does a, there's also a flashback when they're on the staircase, I think. Um, I forget if that's POV shot too, but I think it is. Yeah. I think, and I think um, an interesting parallel here for that, for a movie that Rachel has almost definitely no reason to see, but Chris, I know has seen it's uh, jujitsu. Do you remember that Chris? So jujitsu is uh, a terrible Nicolas Cage action movie. 
Um, and he, uh, there's a one scene where Tony Jaw, who is this great uh, martial arts guy, like does a bunch of fighting stuff and we see his point of view and it's just sort of like pivots in and out of his point of view for like, oh, and it's not even Tony Jaw, it's the other guy. It's some like white dude. Yeah, that was, I think that was a different use because they were just trying to save money. So, so if you have the guy hold the camera who's supposed to be doing all the stunts, nobody gets to see the stunts they're doing. Yeah. So he like literally it was the guy was running, holding the camera. And then like the parts where he would come into frame, you could see he dropped the camera and then he would just jump in front of the camera. Then he'd go pick up the camera again. That is, it was know, very weird. Was very very arbitrary. Um, but so what I think they're trying to do at the point of view shots for this is because I mean, the whole movie is clearly, so I've never seen Rashomon. So I'm going to say stuff about it. That's probably not true, but like my understanding is it's a story that's being told repeatedly from different people's perspectives. Right. And we mm-hmm. learn each time that, we've got some unreliable narrators. And so I think this is like, we see the point of view shots. When we see the point of view shots of the people, we see what actually happened, right? Well, this movie, what we don't get, which I was like sad about was everybody recounts it exactly as it happened, but you just miss details in between the stories. Nobody does that thing that you see in movies sometimes where they tell, they color it with their own perspective. Like someone's retelling a story and then like the person's way handsomer in the story when they're retelling it. And like, you know, everything's like a little bit better than, you know, than it actually happened. Cause they're like, yeah, was winning at the tables and like you know all this other stuff but in reality they're losing all their money so they didn't do any of that it was just like people would add details that weren't told before or something i do think the one thing that was different though was gary sinise's story was a lie oh you're right because he said that he was distracted by this redheaded woman and then it turns out when we see his actual point of view that uh he uh (laughs) he was in the hallway he was in the Like no one came down that hallway ever to like see like a dude with a giant like sniper rifle. And I don't know. Anyway, I didn't care for the point of view shots, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I didn't. I thought they were a little bit like stunty. Yeah, I feel like the point of view shots would be interesting. This is where I would be like, I'd be interested in a four hour cut of this. Um, Not just because I'm a masochist, but I felt like there were um, like the the point of view shots uh, have the capacity to offer insight into the characters uh, that would have been otherwise hidden. Uh, And I felt like none of them were like long enough um, or sort of um, uh, enough enough removed from the main plot uh, to give us those like right. It was just sort of like a recap of what we already knew. Yeah, like it was like really frustrating. I think the most frustrating POV shot is probably the one of the boxer because you think like oh you're gonna close the door. Uh, you like the when the the door closes that closed on Nick Cage, you're like, okay, I'm going to find out something about him that we would not have otherwise been privy to. Um, And it's, and they're just kind of like, he just lurks. What? He's just lurking, right? Like he's just like lurking outside the door, looking in. You're like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like this is a super famous dude who's just hanging outside a door, looking in. Like everyone here is here for him. Yeah. No one notices him. Uh, but I felt like uh, that could have been like a, a moment where we discover something about his character that uh, we wouldn't have just had uh, learned through like plot exposition. Uh, but I feel like it, we didn't necessarily get anything we, we couldn't have just had with him explaining uh, the facts Nick Cage um, at the bar. Uh, and <laughs> Nick Cage is just very mean to him, too. <laughs> I mean, he was he was mean to most people in this movie. He yelled a lot. It just yeah. very coked up. Just 
a lot of shakedowns similar to uh, Protocol New Orleans. We got a lot of shakedowns. That's true. In this yeah, film. that movie is basically just Nick Cage walking around shaking down people for money and drugs. Yeah, he did that. I think one, maybe no, he did one for an autograph. And then there was a money, yeah. there was a money shakedown. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of these like through arcs. So um, let's let's do some minor characters first. So like Carla Gugino's character, right? So mm-hmm. she shows up in a blonde wig, uh, and it turns out that she is a whistleblower, right? Right. And she's trying to get the senator, whatever, secretary of defense to, to realize that these missile defense things that he's been working on are all rigged. And that's like the whole plot is we, we want to kill him so that the missile defense things can go as planned and everyone can get money. That, that's like, right. I, so, all right. <laughs> I see from the expressions of your faces that you also don't really know. <laughs> so the missiles, the missile tests, uh, it's for a missile interception system. So like if a missile's fired at some people on a boat, this thing like will cut the Patriot missiles or whatever will shoot these other missiles down before they hit the boat. And the tests were, uh, they would just, they had these targets and they had them rigged to explode. So they just, they falsified the results. Like, so the missile defense system wasn't actually hit them. They were just blowing them up But why does Gary Sinise care so much that he's going to murder someone about it? Because he believed, I guess, this is what he says. He believed really deeply that the system could work eventually and that if they stop them now, then they're never going to have anything is good and uh it's it's gonna mean that more soldiers are gonna die because they have this shitty missile defense system that doesn't really work on the Mm. flip side carla whatever she's like people are gonna die because they're gonna release this thing in the field and it doesn't actually stop missiles so missiles are just gonna hit people and they're gonna get killed have you seen uh, the rock rachel I haven't. So there's a big parallel. I would say the Ed Harris character in The Rock is similar to the Gary Sinise character in this because he's a military guy who's doing a bad thing, but because he thinks it's going to save the troops. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to stop troops from getting killed, but all they do in this movie is kill a lot of troops. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of truth. As uh, symbolized by the very um, the subtle metaphor of of uh, Nick Cage throwing blood on uh, Gary Sinise's jacket, his like his like little uh, I don't know what those are his called. Pin the pins, the whatever me- they're called. The the soldier pins. Uh, uh the, the soldier. I call them soldier flare. Soldier, um, soldier flare. <laughs> badges. The on um, and uh, he's like, "How dare you? How dare you sell my uniform? I'll kick the shit out of you and kill everybody to hide this horrible." secret how dare you sell me my jacket and like another really on the nose like not so subtle metaphor in this film is the money with actual blood on it yes Mm. Uh. i love this film i think the more we talk about it the more i love it it's high art and there's also chris pointed this out there's like randomly a rotating tank in the casino it's never explained a lot of tanks there's a few tanks like future tanks I don't know what that was Just all in about. in the background, rotating. I think it had something to do. All right, so the real fucked up through line in this movie that, like, they say once that you're like, what is the arms dealer guy is, like, underwater on the construction of this new Atlantic City casino because he owns a fucking arms company and he owns this. And so... He's like, we could have gotten the missile system approved and that would have given me the money to finish the casino. <laughs> like, that's all. He's I... like paying Peter to pay whatever. And that's, I think, why the theme of the new casino was kind of militarized because it was an arms dealer that owned the new casino, I guess. And also, like, why why is there a big plot point that the casino is about to be dismol- demolished? Like, that's like a recurring thing, right? I wonder if that was sort of meant more so that 
like like when we're talking about the um uh, the tidal wave that didn't happen, maybe they were like, oh yeah, so the tidal wave is coming, but it doesn't matter because this casino was going to be demolished anyway. Like why why do we keep touching on that theme? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not sure. I feel like um there's a line where the cage is like, as long as it's it's as long as it's this casino, I have jurisdiction. I think there's something a line like that. I don't know. Old guard, new guard, old world, new world. Um, old world um, casinos in the military weren't uh, the same thing. In the, in the new world, they're the same thing. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, it's. I think it's. I think it's symbolism, but I can't uh, say more than that. I can't say it elegantly or with conviction. We'll have to consult the uh, the four, the four hour version. I'm what sure kind it's really- of like also like what kind of like twisted fucking system is going to get like when you combine the military and a casino like what's going to happen in that building like are they going to start betting on war is that what's going to come out of this maybe <laughs> oh some dark ass shit yeah so let's let's go back to carla gagino so she is a whistleblower we now know the whole plot from sin city to spin city am i right guys we're waiting so to say good. that waiting to say that <laughs> And Spin City? Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. No, he just wanted to say that. (laughs) A hell of a non-sequitur, Chris. Sorry. Sorry to derail the whole conversation. I'm just waiting for that. Good good one, Chris. She was also in the film Spin City, just saying that. Bye. Okay. In... Uh, so she loses her glasses. She stumbles around for a while. It's kind of unclear that she's lost her glasses. Cause at some point, like there's a shot where she just walks into a pillar and then like runs away. And I didn't realize that she had lost her glasses. I was just like, that was weird. <laughs> what the hell's going on there? <laughs> there, um, there was a moment though, when the guy got shot that you clearly saw like her reaching for her glasses on the ground and then someone stepping on it, like that classic. Oh yeah, you almost just missed that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, poor Carla Cugino spends most of the film in various states of helplessness. Totally. Uh, first being blind and then being basically imprisoned by Nick Cage in this weird gray cell. Uh, so there's very little time in which he spends the movie uh, sort of um, with the full powers of a human adult. And like where and he then lo- also. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, and also, uh, she she spends another chunk of the movie, like she's seduced this guy in order to take get him to hide her in her hotel room, and like he's an asshole when he realizes that he's just being used. Um, so she, yeah, she's she's just like under the power of different guys are physically hobbled and gunshot wound the whole movie in her arm and also where he locks her was certain death in case of a tidal wave like she would have just died from getting like totally wiped out by a it was like a door leading to the ocean (laughs) it was crazy yeah she uh she uh is, is a real uh uh, damsel fatale, I guess. Um, but would more, you, uh, were you expecting this, Rachel? Like, like, cause you said, you said she was a fatale, but like, like, did you think she was going to turn evil at the end? Cause I thought that, but it didn't happen. Yeah. I feel like in a movie like this, um, yeah, I, I guess there's usually like one woman who's like, like even film fatales are usually ultimately like a uh, heart of gold types. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, I seem evil, but also also the only reason I'm doing this is because I like they have my boyfriend and or like um, my husband died or like there's always like some sort of sympathetic um, reason that they're acting evil and some sort of level of helplessness. She's usually ultimately like enthrall 
of the villain in some way. So I felt like, um, for me, I wasn't necessarily expecting her to turn evil. Uh, to me, it was just whether she was going to survive or not. Um, whether or not um, the corruption of society was so much that sh- uh, her character would not be allowed to survive, uh, which she, apparently she was. Um, as long as she get with our, she got with our main character in the end. Yeah, in one of in one of the less um, plausible uh, <laughs> send ups. <laughs> I'm like, there's very little, uh, you guys had very little screen time together and the screen time that you had was desperately unpleasant. So I don't know that I buy this, but I know that also the movie is over and there's only so much you can do. Yeah, they put a nice little bow on stuff, kind of, I guess, in a song. In a nice, if by a nice little bow, you mean a five minute shot of construction workers. Oh, God. <laughs> It's like, what happened to your wife? She's gone. What happened to your girlfriend? She ran away too. Not mentioned his child. <laughs> so we do actually have kind of a femme. Like, I think the redhead is kind of a femme fatale, right? That's a pretty weak one, but. Yeah, she just doesn't get a lot to do. Aside from wear two different outfits. <laughs> I would say the femme fatale's film is the boxer. Enthrall right. the bad guy, uh, gives up the information eventually, you know, like, you know. Uh, often shirtless. Often shirtless. <laughs> Oh, Chris, I forgot. Do we have clips, by the way? Oh, we got are we clips. Miss- we got- are we missing any? Because we're going to jump I, I've been, I've just been, we're so into it. Uh, we've got Jumping all over. the last scene. Oh, God. We've got, we got him talking to Tyler. Yeah, let's watch that one since that's, uh, I was going to transition us next to talking about the character of Tyler. Okay, so there's a couple Tyler scenes, I think. Hey, Jimmy George, wait up a sec. Hey, come on, Rick, I got people hey, waiting that's for that's Tyler! <laughs> this what is part of that at? long shot. Tyler! I think you go. Tyler! Woo! Neptune High, right? Check out right here! Go see Devils! You and me, Tyler! Yeah! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Go! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Wow! Lincoln Tyler! Lincoln Tyler! Lincoln! I really have to say that they're giving us too much Nick. They're giving us like a bat... They're giving us the wrong impression for the rest of the film. Like 90% of like Nick Cage is in the very top of the film. Yeah. He's like pretty sedate comparatively for the film after that first 20 minutes. Yeah. He kind of just turns it down after that. And there's another scene where he, this is the shakedown scene with Tyler. That's it. He's <laughs> got a new jacket on. Do you know who you reminded me of out there? Sonny Liston! Remember in 65, they said, hey, Sonny, don't take any chances. Ali almost killed you the first time. Take the payday. First punch, you go down. <laughs> Splash! That's you! Detective, you. Anyway. It's really shocking. Like, I know that he eventually gets the shit kicked out of him. It's amazing that he's not, like, riddled with bullets uh, by the end of this film. Like, he's so obnoxious, and he's always in scenarios where he's surrounded by heavies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, eventually he does. That happens a lot to Nick Cage. Like, he's not... Aside from uh, Ghost Rider, he's not in a position of like physical, like where he's just demolishing dudes left and right. He kind of is always a little bit of an underdog in the fights. Like even in Con Air, like there there is a moment where he he like does kind of like start goes full Superman. But uh, like towards the beginning, he's still kind of like you know not like he could overpower anybody. As opposed to some other kind of action movies where the person is pretty much untouchable, like The Rock or you know Vin Diesel. You know they just can't. And by The Rock, you mean the actor The Rock, not the movie The Rock. I just mean an actual rock. <laughs> Very untouchable. <laughs> I, mean, I think 
music genre. Yeah, I mean the music genre. <laughs> I mean the the chair. I mean the chair. <laughs> I, I think you're right because he's not. You know, he's like a a six foot tall dude, but he's rarely cast as like the beefy, scary guy. He's usually the like wiry, annoying guy, or like mm-hmm. the wiry, crazy guy, right? Yeah, no one's afraid of him, but he, well, he does throw punches every now and then, but like nobody is like shaking in their boots when they see you know him coming. I would say maybe as Caster Troy in yeah. Face Off, he was like like a criminal mastermind, but again, a very rare villain role, right? Um, all right. So that's one guy I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So what do you guys think of the boxer character, Lincoln Tyler? I Oh, the, the scene where he he appears in the doorway after Sinise double crosses Nick Cage was so bizarre. Do you remember this? <laughs> the point of view one? It was it was. Oh, were, oh, in the in the um the control room. Yes. They the just pan over and the freaking boxers stand in there like they're like, and what about Tyler? And then they pan over and Tyler's there and he goes shrug like like <laughs> on, on cue. He wasn't there up to that point. Just shows up. <sighs> there's a there's a good shot in that scene where he's reviewing the tapes and he realizes that Sinise has betrayed him. And then you can see the stairwell behind him and you can actually see Sinise's feet for most of the shot. But they're they're really dark. And then I was like oh shit there's feet and then they just start walking towards you and you're like oh shit that's bad <laughs> gotta watch out for them feet evil feet god <laughs> damn you Sinise feet <laughs> but um i mean he i felt like he was a believable boxer and as we know about his history that makes sense clearly has a lot of experience boxing and playing boxers yeah i mean you know did a good enough job i'm not like no no big insights on him fair <laughs> Sometimes you throw out a topic and you don't have that much to say <laughs> about it. And done. that's okay. <laughs> Topic's done. I feel, uh-huh. like, I feel like there is, um, if I'm like, what is missing in this film? And I feel like there's a sense that uh, Nick Cage starts off and he's just like a prick and he's just like a, like a, a dirty cop and he takes bribes and he's just like a piece of shit. And um, I don't know if they ever really illustrate exactly like what happened to him or or if nothing happened to him, if he was born this way or if he was corrupted mm. at some point. Because for me, like the boxer, there's like a lot of moments in this film where I'm like, this could be meaningfully tied to the journey of Nick Cage's character, whereby like, oh, this guy was Nick Cage's like idol, his like sports idol. Um, you know, he's getting his signature for his son. Like this boxer represents, you know, um, you know, sports in America or like um, pure competition or something about America. Um, and I think he is supposed to like represent something about America. Like his name is like Tyler Lincoln or Lincoln Tyler. Like those are two yeah. presidents. Like there's something about America in this this idea of, of like un um this uncorrupted competition where you're like oh you go in a ring and you box someone if you're stronger you win um but he's like how dare you take a fall because you've corrupted america by you know like you your corruption represents american corruption and i feel like all of that's sort of like on the tip of the film's tongue but it's also like we don't understand um where nick cage is in relation to this idea of 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 a corrupted society like because you can't tell if he's always been this way or if if something happened to him that made him like lose his innocence um and so uh where he is in response to the boxer uh is unclear and therefore like what the boxer could represent i feel like is also unclear because it doesn't necessarily resonate with what we understand about nick cage's character because we don't really understand nick cage's character at least i don't yeah and i think gary sinise's character is even more so in the sort of metaphor for america right because he's like he's like the the lieutenant 
or whatever he's commander or whatever and like you know clearly he, he the goal the, the idea is like oh you know we do this bad thing we murder this one guy but it's gonna save all these other people and like that's that's so that's okay i was trying to see what if if so lincoln was on the five dollar bill tyler was impeached i don't really know he didn't end up on a bill or anything like that so i was trying to see if there was anything any kind of thing to be gained from looking it up but well, I it's a juxtaposition of a hero versus a, a someone who's corrupt wow two sides of the same coin wow mm. you had like a nickel that was like a weird nickel where one side was lincoln and the other side was you mean tyler. A, a penny because it Lincoln, a penny, Link- <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I need a penny <laughs> A That's weird coin. I mean, it would Lincoln be a real it. weird nickel. It'd be a real weird nickel. Yeah, neither side is the president. It should be, guys. I, I just want to point out, I would not have known that either. So don't. <laughs> if oh, I had God. said that, I would have said the same thing. Um, yeah. So what do we think about? All right, what do we think about Gary Sinise's character? I mean, I guess I'll answer for myself. I think it's a. I mean, I only know two Gary Sinise movies: this and Forrest Gump, and this is pretty similar to me. You know, he's a military guy, <laughs> pretty sedate. Uh, I don't understand why he shot himself at the end. I actually don't understand a lot shame, of the decisions. Shame. Shame. Sorry, spoiler. Spoiler. Is that what you're saying? Shame? No. Oh no, no. I'm saying that's why he shot himself. Oh, shame. I thought you were like, shame on you for spoiling the film for these people. No, I I don't understand a lot of the decisions he made because the stakes were just not there. You know what I mean? To kill people like this. I didn't buy the stakes of the whole film that like they needed to kill this guy because he was going to crush their military spending bill. It just didn't feel. But I don't know. And I, I do want to point out, I know another uh, Gary Sinise movie, which is Apollo 13, which also he plays, you know, a military adjacent guy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait, I've seen a million Gary Sinise movies. I've seen uh, what's called Of Mice and Men, The Stand, uh, Green Mile, Reindeer Games. OK, sorry, Gary. Forgot about your movies. I think what were you going to say, Rachel? Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, I think that there is in terms of like the stakes. I'm like, again, I'm like, what does he represent? And I'm just like, I think that there's this idea that, um, uh, you, he, yeah, he's basically like, you can't stop spending on the military. Like in this larger sense, like, like we are going to figure out how to make this money work and you can't stop spending money on us. Um, and that's like represented by this like one project, but I think in general, he's just like, we need more money uh, to protect America or to be protected. And like, how dare you say no to us? Basically. Right. So, um, and like, how dare, how dare this p- politician say no? He's like, he's like this baby, what do you call him? His, this baby kissing politician. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. He's just like, how dare this guy tell us what to do? Like, we'll fucking kill him. Uh, And I think that's almost like, uh, it's almost like the fact that he uh, wants authority so bad that when he's no longer in the position of authority, uh, he doesn't know what to do and he just freaks out and uh, fucking kills himself. I think to his own detriment in this film, he he was too he seemed too likable and too like too honest because what mm-hmm. you what you wanted out of that moment was a real a few good men moment when you know Jack Nicholson loses it and you realize Jack Nicholson's a little nuts and he's like you guys don't understand what it's like like this is what we have to do. and you realize oh this guy's a little crazy but Gary Sinise is too likable I think and he's he comes across as too honest and like you know you think he is you know a, a virtuous person when you watch him I think well Chris so I know that you uh, I know where you stand on this because you said you remember this but i'm curious rachel did you see the twist coming because i certainly didn't having seen the movie i just didn't see it coming yeah i 
I didn't see the twist coming. Usually when a twist happens in a movie, I'm like, oh, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> and I was like, when I watched it, I'm like, oh, I should have seen this coming. Uh, but I didn't. I'm, uh, I don't understand twists. I don't see them coming generally. <laughs> we, we, have a, we have a suggestion in the chat for a name of our Gary Sinise spinoff, cont- uh, spinoff podcast, which is nothing to Sinise at. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, Pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. So my... My last, uh, we, we we should wrap up the plot part of this soon. Uh, but my 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 last thing that I want to talk about was the um the giant uh concrete ball at the end. One of my favorite parts of this movie. Just, <laughs> what is I that? Love that this is, I love that this is one of your favorite parts of the movie. Oh, I love this is the, one of the strongest things I remember. Really? I mean, like a very it's very uh, Indiana Jones, you know, like. Those last four minutes of the, or sorry, five with the song or t- 10 with the song, really like it's the whole movie right there. The ball shows up, the storm. I don't know. I, I really like got locked in towards the end. Do you want to show the clip, Chris, of the, the I think we have a clip of his final uh, confrontation with Sinise. Yeah. The second titular line of the film, because they were worried we didn't get it the first time. Nicholas Cage completely destroyed facially, like beat up. And like, Which again, yeah, he deserved that. He deserved to look like that the, whole, the entire movie. Right. <laughs> the, the ball rose into the wall and the police, the media come through at the same time and yep. catch him red-handed and he fucking shoots himself. <laughs> like, what a crazy, bizarre ending <laughs> in a hurricane, no less. I just feel so bad for... Carla Cadena's character, I don't even know if she's wearing pants in that scene. Um, <laughs> Definitely she's wearing, not. She's wearing the shirt of some asshole who uh, she uh, had to seduce in order to protect herself. She's just having a really bad night at the stadium, you guys. And she was just trying to, you know, do the right thing. You know what I mean? And but yeah. but do the right thing in a bizarre ass way. Like, first off, the guy's like, yeah, come to my come see me at the front row during the fight. Like, don't come to a hotel room. Like, I think she chose when to see him because she was been trying to get through to him for a while, and that was the only time he was uh, Gary Sinise had left left her side, left his side. Oh man, I don't know. All right. You know, I think whistleblowing is harder than we think it is. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and I felt like we, you know, there's a lot of like weird shit in this movie, and there's a lot of like sexism in this movie. Uh, the only time I felt genuinely like enraged uh, was when uh, Carla Cugino was getting screamed at by Nick cage because she had the temerity to suggest that his his friend is a bad person he's like why did you do this to me (laughs) she was right she was right and also like she's had again a terrible night like he has no sympathy for like what she's been through um the fact that uh she's had to pretend to be a hooker uh she's been bleeding the whole time like i (laughs) like he's just like i'm sad about my best friend fuck you bitch and i'm just like what the fuck is wrong She's she is bizarrely capable though, I will say this. She gets shot in the fucking arm and manages to evade 
like that whole lockdown and police thing, throw on a different like jacket, field dress her own wound, then uh, get around completely blind in the casino, manage to seduce a guy and get up to his apartment in order for another costume change. Like she's like bizarrely capable at all this spy shit. Like she must have had some training at some point. Right. Because she's just like a button pusher. Yeah. That's basically her, her job. Which is why I think she's going to turn out to be something more at the end, but she doesn't. Hmm. I guess like one reason I didn't think she was going to turn evil was just that there there was at that point like no one who represented like goodness. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Cage is just like, I'm a piece of shit. Oh, are you Louise Guzman? I'm going to fuck you up and step on your drug bottles. Uh, what are those? Your, his like drug tubes? Yeah, um, drug tubes. Smash, smash, smash. Uh, and I'm like, oh, she rep- she represents like like the good in people. Like nobody else has been able to represent this thing. Um, it would almost be interesting to see if like there was nobody good in this movie. But I felt like every time you saw her, she's just like, what am I doing? This is so like, how did I get into this situation? I'm like, okay, she's the innocent person. She's just trying to get by. Everybody else is a dick, but like, she's the real one. See, yeah, I thought that's why I thought the movie was gonna she's go. The real one. The, the real one. <laughs> the way you said that, what do you mean? What? What do you oh, mean? Oh, like, you know, the expression of someone like, oh, yeah, she's a real one. Oh, yeah. well, I, I thought the way this movie was going to go was that, <laughs> that like, the world is hopeless. Because at the end, the arms dealer guy still does win. He's still building his hotel. Uh, it, He just fired a bunch of people, but he still saved face. And that, that politician who was going to shut their stuff down still died and is going to get replaced by somebody else. So, you know, and and Nick Cage ends up being disgraced in the end because they're like, oh, he's a hero cop. And then they're like, oh, actually, he's kind of corrupt. And he goes right to jail. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe they are saying that the world is hopeless. But love potential for love in 16 months when he gets out of jail. <laughs> yeah, true, true love too. like they really built that relationship in this film. Like, really, yeah. they earned it. They really earned it through the scenes, the electrical magnetism between that 26 year old and uh, I guess he said he was 35. Probably 35. Uh, any clips we missed, Chris? Anything good you had that we... Uh... I only had them three's clips. Well, there we go. Any final thoughts on this before we see where it stacks up against our other movies? Um, yeah, I like. Um, I think this film is a really important statement about corruption in American society. Uh, <laughs> uh, the military is corrupt. Uh, uh, sports are, is corrupt. Um, and women, you can only trust them 50% of the time. Um and never uh, redheads. You can never trust and redheads. Never redheads. Well, it's funny about the redhead, and she's just she was just following orders. Uh, she was not even that bad. Uh, <laughs> and she got killed too. She got killed too for for her for her effort, uh, for all the hard work. She still got killed at the end. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that um, I I think there's like interesting ideas in this film that are very like handled uh, very um, flamboyantly and like over the topedly. Uh, <laughs> um, I did love. Um, I am. A sucker for uh i think chris named it earlier i think the over the head shot of the hotel rooms was like a very beautiful shot uh and i would love the four hour version of this film that had more shots like that and for other shots to go on longer um i did love the shot that was a pov shot of nick cage it felt like um a bonus a bonus footage of like resident evil where with his hand sticking out <laughs> when he's like clawing up from unconsciousness uh i don't know yes yeah that. 
I like the shot too. I don't think we mentioned it, but there's a shot where they do a point of view of, I believe the boxer looking into the mirror. Mm-hmm. And given that this was 1998, I imagine they'd film that practically. Um, and they like just had a fake, a glass thing that looked like a mirror or something like that. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe it was CGI. And the mirror too, the mirror thing I'm going to probably reflect on, wink, uh, because <laughs> I think uh, when he looks himself in the mirror, that's when the POV shot ends. Um, yes. And I remember watching it going like, that's abrupt. But now I'm going to be thinking about like, is that symbolism? I feel like this film is a whole 93 minutes of going like, hmm, I wonder what this symbolizes. Uh, it seems, or, uh, wow, this definitely represents the thing I think it represents. It's, it's, <laughs> 90, it's 93 minutes of you you trying to do the work for them because they did it in this, or maybe they did, I don't know. Well. Guys, let's go. Let's go over the ranking. And well, see I have where two, you have two final, final thought? thoughts. One, okay, one final thought is this. So that was one final thought. The other one, the movie I thought this was, is called Smoke and Aces. It's from 2006. It's got Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta, uh, uh, Jeremy Piven, Ben Affleck. Uh, it was a movie about Vegas with uh, with snipers in it. So that was the there movie I thought it was. Anyway, that was I just it. want to point out also the lyric, touch the face where a kiss of hope can last, which is a reference to, I imagine, when she kisses him on the cheek at the end of the movie and says, I'll see you after you get out of jail. Did he touch his own face after the kiss was given to his face? Probably. Also lyric, <laughs> uh, it says, the mirror faces you, you can't look away, blood is on your hand, which is, I assume, reference to shots that we just talked about a few minutes ago. <laughs> this is like, literally, she just describing shots from the film <laughs> and saying saying <laughs> like actual lines. Head, shot of hotel roof. <laughs> Shot of a Carla Cagino and looking for glasses. <laughs> I think there is a line about not being able to see because you need your glasses or something. Uh, and then the, the chorus is actual li- lines of dialogue from the film. <laughs> anyway, will, guys, let sorry, go ahead, Rachel. I'll also say one more thing, and and I don't mean to make this another uh, two and a half hour uh, version of the show, but um, I think it's very fun that uh, Carla Cagino is the only one who is um, bad at seeing. Literally, she needs the glasses, but also the only one who can see the truth. She can, oh, yeah. can see the truth. If you think about it, isn't that kind of crazy? <laughs> she she basically throughout the movie she knows what's going on, and she's just trying to tell people like fucking Cassandra over here. You know, like she's she's the only one who knows the whole story, and uh, is good, and no one listens to her. It's clear we've only just begun to peel the onion, and. <laughs> We need to lock. We'll this. do. We'll, we'll we'll revisit this in uh, episode five of Nothing to Sinise at. <laughs> I would actually, and I'm not even joking, would love to revisit this film with you after I've thought more about it. Oh no! And after you've seen Gary, after you've seen GI Joe Snake Eyes, then yes, I will do a uh, shot by shot comparison, um, and we'll we'll make some discoveries about both films. And after we watch Smoke and Aces for no reason. Yes. Chris, take us away. Uh, By the way, Chris, I just want to say the way that the light is hitting your face, it looks like you have cornrows, like when you turn your head sideways. Like the, oh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I keep seeing that. I, I look like I'm being 
both I have cornrows and I'm being both scanned by a gigantic scanner. Like, mm. okay, let's go to the cage. And we're here. So this is our last visual version of this. So we'll have to try to figure out how to do this in podcast oh, form. Yeah. Uh, but Rachel, I think you've probably seen this before. We're going to uh, rank this on a scale of one to 10 in various categories. The first being the cast of this movie. How excited were you to see the different people who were cast in this movie? Out of 10? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know I said sure. The answer is yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give this, uh, in terms of casting, I'm going to give this film a 10 out of 10. Uh, great cast. Uh, love the Sinise. Love the Cugino, uh Love all of the ancillary. Uh, Louise Guzman, I think, getting his drug tube stomped. Just great ancillary characters. Great job. Uh, I am going to give it a seven because it had a lot of great people that I like to see. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't like if you compare it to some other Cage's films, it wasn't as like star studded, but it had some pretty strong actors for supporting characters. Um, I'm going to give it a five. I did enjoy seeing wow. uh, some of the supporting characters. John Hurd is in it. Uh, Michael Respoli, who we saw in something else recently, um, but I wasn't. It wasn't as many as uh, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say a solid two of those points are to these points. Is John Hurd the dad from uh, Home Alone who played the big bad guy? Uh, John Hurd. Who's the, the, is... I remember the dad from Home Alone is the bad guy in this film. That's all I know. I don't know who that actor is. Is he? We'll see how right? fast I can scroll back to his IMDb to find that. <laughs> he did. He Home. was the dad from Home Alone. Home Alone dad. All right. Next up is acting out of 10. And this is not Nicolas Cage's acting. This is everybody else. That's just how we do it. Uh, And uh, how good do you feel like the acting was in this movie? Mm. Um, I'm going to give this acting... I'm going to give this acting a seven. Okay. Not bad, but also like, is it memorable? Let's, we're going to find out in the next couple weeks. (laughs) We'll come back (laughs) to this. We'll find out at the new series of podcasts, 10 episodes where we just only do this movie. Uh, (laughs) Snake guys, four minutes at a time. Perfect. We'll call this snake guys now. And gals. Yes. Snake people. <laughs> that's that's. I give that title a 10. <laughs> I'm going to give the acting in this film a... I'm going to agree with Rachel on this one. A 7. I thought... Maybe I'm going to go a 6. Ah, I'm going to give a 7. I thought that there was moments during those long shots that you could tell that Nick Cage was getting... Like, this was the, the third time or the second time he had done it. And he was just kind of like... We're not grading Nick Cage's acting. Well, I think other people had gotten pretty stale, too, uh, at some point. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. (sighs) Again, I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to give it a four. I thought that the acting in this movie was pretty wooden. um, And, like, a lot of it felt like they were on stage and they're like, oh, you again. You know, like very, uh, (laughs) like, like like a stage performance of it. Um, I thought Gary Sinise was pretty solid. Carla Gugino didn't really get much to do, so that's not really her fault. The guy who played the boxer was okay. Like, it just nothing really stood out to me. I thought there was more stuff where I was just like, this feels like bad acting, like good acting. All right, next up is fun. How fun was this movie out of 10? Um, I'm going to go with a five. Oh, okay. I want to tell you why. I think it's because... Um, everything is just, uh, everything is tense, uh, but not always exciting. Uh, I felt like 
it could, uh, in terms of the action, in terms of some of the decisions, it could have been a little bit more over the top, a little bit goofier. It felt like it was trying to be like a serious film about uh, symbols, about symbolism, as, as it, we've gone over. And um, also, you know, the misogyny, uh, sort of, <laughs> we're going to have two women, they're both going to be super hot, one will die, and one of them will just be constantly helpless. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, it kind of drains the fun a little bit, so I'm going to go with five for fun. I agree with Rachel because I didn't think it was that fun. I never found myself looking at my phone too much, but I did. I didn't find it to be like, oh, I'm laughing. This is a great time. One thing I thought the most tense scene in the movie was when Gary Sinise gets up in the elevator and he's like following, like looking through the halls for this room. He's like, like, is he going to find her? And it just resolves so anticlimactically. They just go into the stairwell and they're fine. And like, that's the end of the movie. I mean, that's the end of that whole, the whole ordeal. So I thought that could have been, a, you know, some moments were kind of flat. So I, I am going to give it a five also. Huh. I guess I guess I'm disagreeing with you guys. I'm going to give it a seven bordering on an eight because I like that it was short. I didn't I also didn't find myself like zoning out during it. I like that it was sort of a little bit of a whodunit. And you were like, oh, oh, I see this shot. This is something. And we keep seeing this floating blimp eye thing. That's got to be important later on. Um, and I thought uh, it, it moved quickly. It was engaged. Like it wasn't a great movie, but I did I did enjoy watching it. Do you guys remember the part where the woman goes, "Hey, it's me, your lucky number on the phone," and then holds up yeah. the number? I thought she was going to be in on the conspiracy too, but she Mm-mm. never ended up. It was just a red herring. She was just there to scream because she just saw a murder. <laughs> yeah, the third female character in this movie. Right. Out of three. And that All was right, a next. moment where the first person. Uh, this is so stupid. I'm gonna say this. The first person views uh, it functioned as a mirror because we didn't see what was happening. Never mind. I'm just gonna stop anyway because we saw her reaction, but we didn't see the thing happening. Next up. Next. Thank you, Chris. Next. Thank you, Chris. Let's just keep going. It's, uh, technical. So this is like a uh, flashy camera work, uh, like and how successful you thought it was. Soundtrack and how successful you thought it was. Costumes, makeup, special effects, that kind of stuff. Did you say soundtrack? I did say soundtrack. No, no, Chris, no. no. Don't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. Don't worry, guys. I mean, you can if you want. I won't, I won't, I won't do that to you guys. Don't worry. Expect it when you least expect it. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> soundtrack. What do you think, Rachel? The technical, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I think it's uh, it was an interesting movie. Lots of shots. Uh, lots of sounds. Um, <laughs> please don't do that. That was an accident. Uh, that was an accident. Sorry. <laughs> um yeah seven obviously um i i've said this before um like meg i want the five and a half hour version of this film um i don't uh, know if i said that i wanted that no i'm not sure you said it seemed pretty into the idea of a much longer version of this film uh through your body language Uh, (laughs) which i'm good at reading um but yeah there was a lot of, there was also like a couple of places with the soundtrack where I'm just like, is this fucking Oompa music? Like, why is the soundtrack doing what it's doing? Um, but again, that's fun, fun choice. I didn't see it coming. Sorry, I'm coughing. Uh, I'm actually going to give it an eight because of the technical achievement of that stadium full of people and all the practical effects they had to do to make that work. I thought that was really good. And, um, yeah, it was in 1998. I mean, they didn't, like, you know, they didn't have a great... That ball, though. That ball, right? Am I right? The giant ball? Let's give it an eight. 
I did love the giant ball. Um, I'm, I would say I'm going to give it a 10 and then take off some points for things I didn't care for, which were the Meredith Brooks song. Uh, the fact that they did not include a giant tidal wave, because I think that would have been cool. Um, and then maybe one too many POV shots. Uh, so I think that'll leave us at a seven because I did think there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. Uh, overall, out of 10, Rachel, how do you, how much do you care for this movie? So again, I think if you see my prior scores, you know what number I'm going to give. And that is a 10. I'm going to give overall a 10. Great film, lots of symbolism, says a lot about society. Um, Nick Cage ends up bruised, broken, beaten, all the kind of things I like to see Nick Cage end up as. Um, and again, I think the song uh, is really going to stick with me uh, for good or ill. So Rachel, I feel like you're answering this one ironically. I just want to confirm whether or not that is the case. It's my favorite film, Meg. Uh, <laughs> defined by which film I've seen most recently, it's my favorite film. This is, I think, the first time we've ever had someone ironically score someone at, uh, score, ironically score something and not back down from it. So this <laughs> <laughs> Doubling down. It's a 20. I want to give it a 20 out of 10. Oh, no. <laughs> the more you question my sincerity, the higher that score goes, Meg. Oh, no. This is good. We're going to end up, we're going to end up with an upset here for sure. What you got, Chris? <laughs> uh, okay. I'm not going to give it a 10. Uh... I'm gonna give it a six. I'm gonna give it a six because it was a it was a good movie. I enjoyed watching it, but would I watch it again? No. Would I would I um, recommend it to someone to watch? Probably not. I don't know. What about you? Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. I still enjoy this movie. Um, I think it's not necessarily a good movie, and it's not necessarily the worst bad the best bad movie. But just based on some of the other shit we've seen, like. I like, I'm just looking back at a recent ones. Like, did I enjoy this more than Kick-Ass, Season of the Witch, Ghost Rider, Rage? Yes, I enjoyed it more than all of those. So I'm going to give it an eight, actually. Let me up, the, up that to eight. Well, I feel like this movie sits in that valley of it's not bad enough to be good bad. And it's not good enough to be good good. So it's like a, eh, you know what I mean? Uh, I think, I think I would give it a little bit more credit than that. I don't know why. I just, I think I just have a sentimental attachment to this movie. And for whatever reason, it held up. <laughs> All right, then. So uh, our last bit is we're going to look, we're going to give add or take away a single bonus point for some detail in the movie that you particularly enjoyed or just dis- did not enjoy. And I'll just, I'll just go first. Here. Say I'd like to add a po- <laughs> disenjoy. Did I say disenjoy? I don't know. I- I'd like to add a point for a giant rolling cement ball. I just think that's not something you see in many movies. And I wish that was in more movies because that's cool as hell. Um, I'm going to add a point for the line. At least I was on TV because I felt like um, I felt like this movie ultimately wanted to be like a noir, uh, and that felt like a, a real noir line. Uh, like this ruined, the the corrupt ruined cop says, "At least I got to be on TV." Said very wistfully, um, "I appreciated that moment." Another point for me. And I will give it no points so that we can end up with snake eyes. Ooh, interesting. Are you on the document, Meg? Yeah, I am, because I have a feeling this is going to be a a tie, so I wanted to see what we tied Oh, I saw you show up. I'm like, what's going on? All right. And we've we've had some issues with ties before where they break our spreadsheet. uh, Oh, here we go. Ready? Let's see. It's not a tie. Oh, Snake Eyes shows up as a solid 12. Okay. It beat Valley Girl. 
Wow. It'd be all right. So yeah, for those listening, we have we have uh, Snake Eyes is twelve out of thirty-two. It is between Lord of War, which I think is un is undervalued here, and Valley Girl, which is also undervalued. I can't believe uh, that Snake Eyes beat like Wild at Heart. It, I guess yeah. No, actually, not not. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it did. You didn't really like Wild at Heart. Yeah, is what I remember. I'm surprised that Leaving Las Vegas is so low. Oh, Rachel, we did not like that movie. Well, it's the fun score. <laughs> the fun score was a zero on Leaving Las Vegas. I see. <laughs> I, I would say. I would say I don't. I would say we did not like. We did not like the movie. You guys. I was just like guys. the whole time. I was just like, oh, this is so awful and stressful. Like, I mean, it's a very well acted movie for sure. But like, oh man, I never want to watch that movie again. Ever, ever. ever. All right, let's go to the cage gauge. Two axis plot of Cage's trademark craziness versus his acting ability in the film. It's again it's scored out of ten. Rachel, what and, would you give Cage's? And this you know, is all relative, so this is like in comparison to other performances you've seen of him. Yeah, his. like the craziest you've seen him. What you know, where he's making bold choices with his lines. He's doing like these real, you know, wacky things. What do you think? I'm gonna call, give him a five because I feel like about half the film he was like crazy Nick Cage, and about half five. Of the other half of the film, he was just being a cop. He was just being like, uh, "Can I get uh, can I get the camera footage from uh, Casino Room Number Four? Uh, which is like, I'm not sure how you can spin that dialogue. Uh, so straight down the middle. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he uh, he has not. This is not his craziest role. I'm just like trying to like, what number would I give this though? Because it's it is split down the middle. Like it. He turns it off after the guy gets shot, pretty much. I mean, I mean, no. He, when he's that interaction with Tyler, he he has it back a little bit, but ah, that the, the singing and stuff, I think, gets him a six. Yeah, I was gonna give a six too because I do think there's a little bit more of the crazy stuff, and the crazy stuff, some of it is pretty memorable. I was like Tyler, 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 you know. Yeah. And there's a couple of good like screenshots of him making really crazy faces too, so I appreciate that. Um, acting ability out of ten, what do you think? Uh, the acting, I wasn't necessarily. Uh, wowed by it. Uh, some of it felt a little a little autopilot. Um, some of it worked, some of it didn't, but it felt sort of spotty or splotchy. Uh, so I'm going to give it a six. Yeah, I agree. His acting in this movie, like, I think it suffered because of all the probably takes they had to do to get those long shots. And and I, I think he was probably pretty stale by the time they got around to, like, the take they liked. It was like... Maybe they were, you know, who knows what was going on. Uh, so, but he did do a great job technically being able to, you know, do those things. Yeah, but so did everybody else. Yeah, that's true. So I'm giving a six also. Meg? Then I go a little lower. I'm going to give it a four. I think that there's times in which his craziness works and there's times in which it doesn't. And I don't think it really fit this movie well. I think that the movie didn't need someone to be yelling as much as he was yelling. This is uh happened I think before where we're a dead center on the oh, center let's of the cage. See, gauge. Let's see. Like this is like just off center towards the good oh. acting, more crazy quadrant. Uh it's it's very close to to um let's throw the titles. Uh The Rock Ghost Rider? The Rock, Ghost Rider, Jiu Jitsu, Con Air, Rage are all clustered around the center of the cage gauge. Cause like you see, I guess you see a performance and you just like really can't make up your mind about it. It's like kind of right in the middle and that's where we are, man. Well, it's in some good company. <laughs> uh, here we are. We've done it again. <laughs> We've done it again. We've done an episode. Everybody drink in our faces. Cause this will be the last time you see them. 
Ever. We, uh, ever. We're going to be back uh, next week. We're going to be doing, uh, doing it a little differently. So we'll be we'll be releasing an episode uh, next Tuesday, the 27th. Same time, uh, same usual podcast time. Yeah. But, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to be watching The Weatherman with director Kayla Rosella. So that'll be fun. Um, and, uh, Rachel, yeah, so what's uh, what's going on with you? What's uh, what's some, some Twitch shows, anything that people, you want people to come see in person or online, whatever's going on? Yeah, um, I don't have any shows in person right now. Uh, That's fair. <laughs> uh, most of us I'm, don't, yeah. Most of us don't. Um, I am live every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time uh, for the Joy of Posting. It's a show where I live stream me writing jokes for the internet. You can come and chat with me and I can explain where the jokes come from and how I write them. Uh, I'm also um, sometimes on uh, the 69 Minutes of Sex With Me show, uh, which is every other Friday, uh, where we do uh, the line game, 69 uh, the line game, Sex With Me. Uh, it's not called uh, 69 Minutes of Sex With Me. It's 69 Minutes of the line game, Sex With Me, where we compare things to what sex with us is like so like uh sex with me is like the movie snake eyes 93 minutes long yes yeah, sir sex with me is like the movie snake eyes um uh you don't know if nick cage was the best choice for this role uh sex with me is like the movie snake eyes there'll be one ball <laughs> sex with me is like the movie snake eyes 20 minutes to get one shot and uh, sex with me is like snake eyes um did you know that will smith was almost there <laughs> Sex with me is like snake eyes. I did it in 2021 with Henry Golding. Just kidding. I wish. Sex with me is like snake eyes. I'm going to go down easy. All right. We got to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, uh, so catch yeah catch Rachel on those shows at Two MB Studios. Uh, what's your Twitter handle again, Rachel? We'll uh, R A J Andelman. R A J A N D E L M A N. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, and yeah. And that's our show. Oh, wait, we got another one. Sex with me is like Snake Eyes. Nick Cage will be screaming in the background. It's true. Why is he there? Who knows? <laughs> uh, guys, we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you all for participating in, in the Twitch version of this show. Uh, if you uh, want to engage with us in the future, just to comment on our Instagram or Twitter or whatever, send us emails, managerscomedy.gmail.com. Uh, thank you again, Rachel, for, uh, for joining us this episode. And uh, let's... Let's say goodbye. A drowning man does not die silently. You can feel. Unlocking the Cage is produced by the Manager Special. Music by Will Janetta. Check out our other shows, as well as sketches, animation, and short films at managerscomedy.com. <laughs>